things to do tonight. Um, weather's changing, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Are we going to get any snow? It's snowing someplace. Sometimes we're going to get some snow. Yeah, absolutely. But why don't we get started tonight? And I'm going to tell you already, there's going to be a lot of questions and answers that you get a chance to participate in. It's going to be glorious because we'll get feedback from you. And we're going to learn so much about you and, and what the Word of God says and some things like that. So buckle up and let's get started. We're going to open with a word of prayer and then we'll get started here. Father God, we love you and we praise you for this night. And we thank you so much for all that you have blessed us with. We ask, Lord, now that as we look into the study of your word, that you will give us direction, insight, constrain us, control us. Father, give us your wisdom tonight as we look, and as we look into the life of Moses. And we pray this in your son's name. Let us all say, amen. amen. Okay, so turn this on, and hopefully this is going to work the first time like a charm. Yes. So what I need to know from five people is what is your surname and what is the origin of your family? Surname and origin. One. Shannon. Irish. From Ireland. Or someplace in Ohio. <laughs> Who else? Yes, sir. Surname. Guzman. Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Yes, ma'am. What's your full name? Is that your last name? That's your last name. Okay. Mm -hmm. Randolph. Randolph. Mm -hmm. And? Part German. Part German. What's the other part? Um, I think some Irish. Irish? Mm -hmm. A couple of Irish people in here. Yes, ma'am. Holland. Holland. Okay. One more. Hoop. German. Hoop is German. You think she's German? You know, okay. All right. So, what's your surname? Fawcett. English. I knew that was coming. <laughs> generation names. Okay. The greatest generation, born in 1901 through 1927. My dad was part of the greatest generation. We also have the silent generation. How many silents do we have in here? Silent generation? Okay. What about baby boomers? Raise your hand. A lot of baby boomers in here. Okay. Did you just still getting your hand up? <laughs> you wasn't sure. Okay. You get <laughs> okay. Um, generation X, 1965. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Millennials. What do they say about millennials? <laughs> what do they say about millennials? That you're ruining the country. <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, the, I, when I was reading up on this, it said millennials are lazy. But yet there are more millionaires than millennials. That's, I don't know. Anyway, a Generation Z... Born 1996 to 2012, and then Generation Alpha. Okay? So, I have, in, in, in my kids, I have a millennial, a Gen Z, and an Alpha. Talking about spreading out here. <laughs> so, that, that's, we're going to be coming back to that here in just a little bit, because 
there are some things there that I think that we can, we can learn and begin to appreciate about this various times. Now, Proverbs tells us this. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. A loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and poor meet together. And we can take that in several different ways. Everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to come to the point in their life, you're born and then you, you pass on. And so the poor and the rich are going to meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And so we begin to, to see that whole idea there. So let's, let's take a look real quickly at the timeline of Moses. Okay? And so what we're going to see here is some, some interesting data. Moses was placed in what river? The Nile River. What was he in? A basket. And it was, it was what did it have on it? And pitch. Okay. So it was in a basket that wouldn't tilt over. And he was placed near the reeds. I read a little bit on alligators. No, crocodile. Crocodiles. Do you know anything about crocodiles? They eat large animals and they do different things like that. They don't come into the bulrushes and the reeds very often. And I thought that was interesting. But that's where Moses was placed. Came to the point in time where Moses' mother couldn't hide him any longer, so she placed him in that little, little thing, and then it got a chance and it drifted off. And, and was it by chance that Pharaoh's daughter was there? No. It all kind of came together. So as this baby is drifting away and the sister is watching through, to, through God's providential hand, he was able to lead someone to say, there's a basket. Not only there's a basket, but there's something in that basket. And Pharaoh's daughter's heart was touched when she saw that baby. How many of you go goo goo ga ga crazy when you see a baby? Why? When you ever see a baby and go, oh, that's a, no, nah, you're probably too young. <laughs> but when you look at a kid and you go, wow, that's a cute kid. Oh, they're just, they're just lovely. But Pharaoh's uh, daughter took him and he was raised under her for how many years? 40 years. Let's go to Exodus right quick. Exodus chapter 2, I believe, is where we want to go to. Because it's, it's interesting how when we try to put our heads together around what Scripture is showing us and then we look at the reality of time. Verse 9 of chapter 2, well, verse 8. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, and the maid went and called the child's mother. He's talking about his sister. Okay. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child, his real mother, and nursed it. Now, verse 9. We're talking a three-month-old child. Now let's look at verse 10. And the child grew, and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. 
The next thing we hear about Moses is 40 years later. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. So we see that there are some silent years that we don't know a whole lot about, but there's a lot of conjecture that we could utilize when we think about Moses in those first years. He was a prince. He was a prince in Egypt. So he had what? Privilege, prestige, he had education, he had everything at his resource. He had everything he needed. Oh, to be a prince, to have it all. That's who Moses grew up. Now, so when he was a teenager, he didn't have to put up with bullies, not, having, not being able to hear his parents say, we can't afford that. No, take care of your little brother. No, you need to do this. Moses didn't have any of that that took place in his life. So as he grew in those first years, prestige, education, he had the finest and the best of everything. He lacked for nothing. I don't really know very many people that I've crossed paths with in my life that have been like that and lacked for nothing and just, wow, what a life. But one thing that bugged Moses more than anything else was that he was an Egyptian who also was a Jewish person, torn between two worlds the allegiance to the people that, that are being oppressed and under slavery and looking and seeing the people who are just like him being treated in such a way that he couldn't understand. And can you see in his mind and in his heart being pulled in two different directions? I'm a Hebrew, but I'm the prince. I'm one of the princes of Egypt. So he had to live the life and act the part of Egyptian. But his heart was saying what? That's not really me. And so can you see the struggle that he's probably going through right now? And what he's having to, the antagonizing things that are going on in his mind was probably a tough thing to deal with. So, let's go on. All right. Now, now, verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, he's 40 years old now, that he went out unto his brethren. And the scripture is very direct there. He says his brethren. He was accepting them of who they were as fellow Jewish people, these are his brethren. And he looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his own brethren. So he's a Hebrew, but he's, a, he's an Egyptian. Why would he decide to protect one of the people that are called Hebrews and slaves? Why? That's the question. Why would he? That's his brother. But they're not really his. That's his ancestry. Does, 
Does the pull and sway of your culture tug at you that much? You think God laid it on his heart, okay? So, so, so there he was wrestling with that Egyptian is beating up one of my brothers. I'm going to kill him. I, you don't think God laid that on? <laughs> Thank you. Now we're, now we're going right where I wanted to go. So he decided to kill someone. Now, is there a statute of limitations on murder? No. Why? Pardon me? It's murder, but, but why, is there not a, why is there not a statute of limitation on murder? You've taken someone's life. Okay? So, thou shalt not kill. And whether you've read it, heard it, Instinctively, the book of Romans tells us that, that we, are, we have that written in our hearts. We know what's right and what's wrong. But Moses said, if he hits him again, I'll kill him. He hit him again, and what did he do? Moses killed him. Now, we're talking now, Moses, the leader of the children of Israelite, is a murderer. Would, would Trinity Baptist call a murderer? Would they call a murderer to be pastor? <laughs> would a church have someone who is a murderer as their pastor? I can't hear you. Very situational. Are you a millennial? I knew it. I knew it. He was a millennial. <laughs> it's situational. Okay. But you're still a murderer. Okay. Yes. Paul was a murderer too. Ooh, I'm going someplace with this. Yes. Randy, that's not nice. <laughs> wow. So Moses said, Moses is 40 years old, and he decides he's going to just kill somebody. I'll take care of him. So what does he do? He kills him. But now, here's where guilt comes in. You ever been guilty of anything? Perfect person. Okay. Now, he goes out, and... Uh, And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew him. He killed him. The Egyptian. And hid him. Now, here we go. He hid him in the sand. Now, if Moses is so convicted in his heart that what this Egyptian is doing to his fellow Jewish person is so wrong. I need to know why he would hide the body. Yes, sir. 
You need more people to know. There's another factor that's going on here too. You want to hide your crime because what? You don't want to let people know, but is there some guilt associated with murder? Wow. Okay, we're still in the first 40 years. Okay, now let's go on because this is a, this is a turning point that we have to recognize and hold on to. Now, and when he went out the second day, you, you know the expression, telephone, telegraph, tell a, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> tell someone who wants to know. And on the second day, when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. They fighting and cussing and hitting each other and just acting crazy and just doing stuff. And he said unto him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? Why are you doing that? You guys, you're... And he said, Whoa, well, who made you prince and a judge over us? Here's the kicker. Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? <laughs> and Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Okay? Now we just came to the end of his first, if I don't hurry, I'm not going to finish. <laughs> I'm on slide four and I got 25 to go. <laughs> surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Okay, so, wrap this up. Privileged, protected, every advantage in the world, but there was something gnawing at him, and the thing that gnawed at him more than anything else was the way his fellow people were being held in bondage and treated so bitterly and, and so many things is going on that something within him snapped. He kills someone and then he runs away. Guilt, shame, dishonor. He left all that behind and ran away. Well, he had to because he would have been under Pharaoh's judgment. Okay? And then we're told that he went to the land of Midian, and while he was there, uh, he ran across, uh, then he, he fled. Now, get this. I think this is, this is one of those things where the Bible is just full of things that I think is so is funny, but yet it's kind of interesting. Verse 16 of chapter 2. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters. You guys don't see any irony in that? He was a priest solely dependent upon what his office would provide for him, but he had seven daughters, no man in his house. And this is where God's providential hand led Moses, okay? And then we go on through the story here that Moses was content to dwell with the man, verse 21, and he gave Moses, Zipporah, 
his daughter, and she bare him a son. His name was Gershom. And so now we are seeing now the second 40 years of Moses' life is now beginning to come to pass all of a sudden. And we're going to be looking at that right quick. So this is, this is happening, and Moses now has started a new era in his life. Has anybody seen that? There it is. Clicker. child grew and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son called his name Moses because they drew him out of the water then 40 years passed boom okay now we're going to look into this second 40 years of Moses okay and this is where our lesson starts tonight that was my introduction sorry (laughs) now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law Now, 40 years has already passed again. Another 40 years just went just that quick. Now, Moses was either a millennial (laughs) or Generation X because you would have thought by this time, Scripture would have said he kept his own flock. But it's his his father-in-law's flock. He's not really giving himself a place to dig his roots in deep and become a man and take care of things like what we would think normally he would do. Okay? And so he was kind of a person who enjoyed the solitude because he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came unto the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord This is where our story is just exciting. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. We've all heard this story growing up. And Moses said, let me, what's going on here? I want to see this. Why the bush is not burnt. I don't know about you, but I've burned like a, a branches that would fall off trees and you would start burning them and you'd put it on the flame, especially pine, and it, the flame just gets intense and it just, and it billows. You can hear the flame just roaring. And so that type flame is going on, but the bush was not consumed. And that would have had to have gotten anyone's attention Moses said, I'm going to turn, I'm going to see what's going on. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God puts things in our lives to sometimes make us stop and look and contemplate and try to understand what is happening in our lives. And so he got Moses' attention And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, see, God said unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not hither, nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is what? Holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. 
And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Kind of reminds you of Isaiah, who said, woe is me. And anytime someone has had an encounter with God, it's not one of those things like, what's up, God? And I, I get so upset with some of the, the, the teachers and leaders of today that, that want to try to make God a, a homeboy or, hey, God, you know, let me talk. God is holy. God is just, I mean, he is righteous. He is not to be called and, and treated like that. And I, and I, I kind of feel sorry for those because it is so true that many in that day are going to say, did we not do this and this and this and this for you? We healed. We cured. We did all these wonderful things. And God's going to say, I never knew you. All that stuff that you did, it wasn't for me. So Moses was afraid to look upon God. So the grand exchange. He exchanged royalty to be a shepherd. Now, shepherds were thought of as to be somewhat abominable. Okay? The Egyptians didn't care too much for shepherds because they didn't think that the shepherd's personal hygiene was as good as it should be. This is a terrible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Nobody answer this question. Whew. Has anybody gone a week or two weeks without bathing? Don't answer I heard someone go, ooh, <laughs> I know it wasn't that person. <laughs> but can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. He left prestige and became poor. Honor to be humble. Recognition to be unrecognized. He had position to not have any position. He gave it all up, and Moses stayed in that humble estate and didn't really want to flaunt himself or do anything. Moses was a smart man educated. He had a lot of things going for him. Do you think he could have done better than be a shepherd? Could have. But where was his heart? And where was, you know, I, I can imagine that Moses had a many a time out there just thinking about, why did I have to kill that guy? Why couldn't I control myself? And he probably had to rehearse and just Humbly just submit himself. Now, this is a theophany, verse 2. So when we think about verse 2, the appearance of a visible manifestation to mankind of God. The great theophany of Sinai when God was on the mountain and the mountain rumbled. The burning bush is another theophany of God himself where God has to use something that we can comprehend to make himself known. Audibly, visually, emotionally, and spiritually. God has to reveal himself. And as he revealed himself to Moses, and we see this in the burning bush, it was God's way of saying, I'm going to do something to draw his attention. And when I get his attention and when he speaks to me, I'm going to lay forth my plan to him. Now, what is seen here? First of all, the angel of the Lord is in the fire in the midst of the bush that's not being consumed. But I don't see an angel. And that's the issue. It wasn't an 
as we would see an angel standing there, but it said that the angel of the Lord called out of the burning bush. The bush burned with fire but was not consumed. There was no snap, no crackle, no pop, but it drew Moses' attention, and God speaks to Moses. And he uses, he says, Moses, Moses. And this was a term of endearment. Who else did he use their names twice to get their attention, to help them understand that I'm a God who is just, I'm a God who cares, I'm a God who knows everything about you, and I've got your best in mind. He said it to, well, what happened there? Abraham, Abraham. When Samuel was a small boy, he got up and he ran to Eli and said, you know, you call with me? He said, no, I didn't call. You go back to bed. Samuel, Samuel. What did Jesus say? Martha, Martha. Simon, Simon. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? So as we begin to see how God, in his own way, in my life, has said, Michael, Michael. I can remember one time my dad said to me, Michael, Michael. But it was an endearment. <laughs> and after I left his presence, I knew. I knew he loved me, but it sure hurt. <laughs> the implied importance and urgency is what we see in how the Hebrew terms of putting two words together like that back to back. And it showed that endearment of what he was trying to sow. Now, whoever gets this question right gets a brownie point. There's a song about holy ground. What is the name of that song? We are standing on holy ground. You have a word already? Dave, you don't have one, do you? You and neither one of you, you guys can fight over that. We're going to use it here in just a little bit. That's the name of God. I didn't give you one, did I? You can take your dad's if you want. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Why? Because I can't look at a holy God knowing how sinful I am. I can't come to him in a flippant way. But same as Elijah, Isaiah, and the same as Paul, they understood their position with God. Now, let's go on to the next section because this is kind of a prelude as we get ready to go into the next 40 years. Now, therefore, behold, the cry. This is, this is a, an, an interesting, some, um, we're going to talk about this here in just a little bit, really deep. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. Now, remember when God, when was the first time God made a revelation of himself that told of an event. Now, I'm 
Let me just say it. Remember when Cain killed Abel? God said what? Where is thy brother Abel? And Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? And then God said, oh, the blood of your brother calleth, cries out from the ground. There's life in the blood. And his life had been spilt. And God recognized that and saw that. And so as we said this, he said, now come, come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh. I'm going to send you back to what you know everything about. You know about the Pharaoh. You know what they eat. You know how they dress. You know all their manner of being. I'm sending you back to deal with Pharaoh. And Moses said, whoa. I know what they were doing to the children of Israel. Yeah, we got to get them. But whoa, me? And Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Me? What can I do? I'm not big and bad. I don't have any more prestige. I don't have an army. I don't have a whole lot of people that like me, God. I'm kind of here all by myself with these sheep. I wouldn't win a popularity contest. But isn't it interesting that God uses those people more often than not? Oh, what a glorious thing. What a glorious thing. And he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. And what is that token? The theophany of the burning bush. It didn't, it wasn't consumed, but it continued to burn, and God spoke from there. Now, let's, Let's move on to another area. This is, this is where it's really going to get interesting. Okay? This is what we call an anthropomorphic reference. And basically, it's this. This is having human characteristics. Now, God, this doesn't mean that God has a physical auditory organ. Because dogs can hear better than we can. We, can. we can only detect a certain range, right? Pilots, do they, after you guys get old, your range goes down, doesn't it? <laughs> Close. But God sees, he hears, and he knows exactly what is happening with his people. He's not having to bend down and listen. But even before I say a word, God knows the thoughts, the intent, and what my words will bring to, pa bring to pass. What I think, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Randy, you said something about if I hate somebody that I've already committed murder in my heart, God is able to see here, even before we even look that direction, 
had the thought cross her mind, God already knew that we were going to think that and help us to deal with it. And Terry. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I, when, when I come unto the children of Israel, now notice this. Now, this is, this is really, you have to catch this. Moses was concerned about who? Pharaoh. But when he asked for instructions, and when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am had sent you, sent me unto you. Now, and God moreover, and God said moreover to Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God, your fathers of Abraham, Isaac, God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Now, did you switch? There are 20 names of God that I've handed out. And if you, the, the enunciation is right behind the name, so you can give us the enunciation and then read the scripture reference for it, okay? But you'll have to stand up and turn to the crowd and say it with, with the right voice inflection, tone, and all that good stuff, okay? Go ahead. Amen. Yes, sir, Michael. Yahweh Elohim, Lord God, a combination of God's name, Yahweh, and the generic word for God, signifying that he is the Lord, he is God. He is the Lord, he is God. Yes, ma'am. He will oversee the destruction of my enemies. Wow. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Mr. Dave. Kevin. 
his right to lordship. I gave a husband and wife one. You guys want to split up one of those since you both have one or you want to go ahead? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> They're smiling at each other. Who's going to go first? Real loud. With, let us all hear you. Majesty and authority, God's name. Yes, sir. The once departed glory has returned. Ryan. Amen. God makes holy. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you. Yes, the victory over the Malachites. He sees in our distress. Yes, ma'am. Fellow lamb, everlasting God, Psalm 91.3. God's nature is without beginning or end, free from all constraints of time, and contains within himself the very cause of time itself. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Amen. Psalm 91.3. Amen. You're going to do it for her? You owe me. You owe me five bucks. <laughs> Go ahead. His ultimate power over all. Yes. Now wait. Yeah. Which was thought by the 
that way. <laughs> Okay. Go ahead. Yes. That was your, you switched? Okay. Did you switch? The idea of might. He is the mighty God. Yes, sir. Last one, right? I think so. The God that we serve covers every aspect of life, every situation that we can think of. It is just remarkable when we think about all the various names of God. Now, there are going to be those that Peter mentions in 2 Peter chapter 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, in those last days, scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, where's the promise of his coming? But since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Sunrise, sunset. Sunrise, sunset, birth, death, struggle, all these things continue. And the scoffer saying, that just kind of proves that there's nothing going to ever happen. Why are you people being that way? But this they, are, they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. It may look like it's all there, but God's going to have a new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth. And God made himself known to Moses so that he can go in and act a mighty work for God. Why does God use puny people like us to move forth his plan? But he, had, he sent his son. We have not a high priest who has not suffered the things that we've suffered and can be able to say to us, Jesus can say, Michael, I know what you're going through, man. He redeemed me out of the marketplace of sin, and because he did that, I can rejoice in him. Now, this one I want to close on. I'll go ahead and close on this one. There are people that we think will never confess God. They will never confess Jesus as Lord. I heard a sermon by um, Adrian Rogers and he said this. He said, 
everybody's going to confess. You may think that they're not going to confess, but everybody is going to confess. And then he read this. He said, Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Yeshua, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has now made himself known to Moses. And as we continue this series, we'll be looking into this latter, this last 40 years of, of his life. You know, Dave, I still 80 years old, and Moses is getting ready to start quite a journey. 80? 80. But God can supply the strength and the direction that any would need at any time to make sure that they are doing the things that he would like for them to do. I am is the shortened form of the Hebrew word translated I am that I am. God says to be Michael, I am what you need in your life. I am the one who can supply direction to you. I am to you all that I and that you need, I can be to you. And that doesn't sound like a rich, get rich quick scheme, but it sounds like an emotional, spiritual thing that draws me closer to, to, to be in contact and in fellowship with the almighty God of heaven. And I thank him and I praise him for that. Why don't we close in prayer? Father, we...